0: Hey, my name is Josh. I too want to welcome you here to Cornerstone Community Church. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to thank you for being here. I'm really stoked about this series that we're starting this morning called Just Dance. If you don't have a set of sermon notes but you'd like to follow along, just put your hand up high in the air. One of our ushers will make sure that you get a copy. And if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. And we're talking about celebration this morning. And so I've put a couple of definitions in your Sermon notes for you. Will you look at them with me? To celebrate is to publicly acknowledge a significant happy day or event with a social gathering or enjoyable activity. Now, a celebration is a social gathering to celebrate something in particular. And that's what this series is all about. It's about celebration. And and, and more specifically, it's about learning to celebrate the things that God celebrates. And that's why I'm pretty stoked this morning. Now, I don't know if you noticed. Anybody notice? I'm wearing a hat. Hat this morning. Anybody pick up on that? Can anybody think why I may be wearing this particular hat on this particular weekend? Every service has got it so far, so there's pressure on you right now, 1020. The horse racing. The horse races, right? What did we have this weekend? We had the chance to have a triple crown winner for the first time in 36 years. And the horse was even called California Chrome. I mean, it would have been perfect. Then he had to go lose and throw off my whole illustration. It was terrible. <laughs> Listen, but, but why did I wear that, that, that hat? Because when we're talking about celebrating, people celebrate different things and in different ways. And to be perfectly honest with you, I really don't get the horse racing hat wearing celebration thing. I'm not sure that I get it. But there is another kind of hat that I really celebrate. And I think this crowd will be able to relate to this hat and why I celebrate this hat. You guys get this hat? Now... Now, I'm not from Southern California, but when I moved out here, I quickly learned what truly fresh, fast food is all about, right? And it's this right here. And every once in a while, I'll have a friend from back east or where I grew up in the Midwest come out to, to Southern California, to God's country, and they'll land in the, in the airport and, and they'll be like, How far away is it? And I'm like, Well, you're blah, 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 blah. I said, Have you eaten yet? And they're like, No, I said, you gotta stop it in and out. You gotta stop it in and out. And they say, Well, what should I order? And I I, I tell them the same thing every time. You've got to order a double-double animal style. And they get there, and they call me, and they're like, Josh, there's no animal style on the menu. And I'm like, I know it's a secret menu. And they're like, I hate you, Josh. You always do this to me. And they they don't believe me. They don't get it. They don't get the awesomeness that is the secret menu at In-N-Out. But if they'll listen to me, they'll discover it, right? Because that animal style is when they fry that patty in the mustard, right? And if it's a double-double, there's two beef patties there, and then they put the cheese, and they put the onions, and the extra pickles, and the extra sauce, and they chop it all up, and they mix it together, and they put that on that mustard-fried patty, and then they put that other patty on there, and they put it on that toasted bun, and they put it in that little packet, you know? Not a cardboard box, that little wrapper that just nestles it in there so nice. And then they, they put it in your bag, and when you get Get the bag and you open it up, it goes, "Ho! Oh. I mean, it's, <laughs> can you celebrate the awesomeness that is in and out, double, double animal style? You get that, right? You get that. And hey, man, we're in church right now, I'm telling you. Listen, we get that. But some of you might be here and be like, okay, this is church, I'm not sure I get this. They're happy at church. What is there to celebrate in church? You know, I thought, I thought church was something we did once a week because it, 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 it builds character to do something you don't enjoy every once in a while, right? Listen, all of us have things to celebrate and I'm all about celebrating horse racing, I'm all about celebrating good fast food, I'm all about celebrating when LeBron James loses in the NBA Finals. <laughs> I'm about celebrating those things, but we as the church have so much more to celebrate because we, we not only have, if you were a follower of Christ this morning, you didn't just wake up today with hope for eternal life, you woke up today with hope for real life, and you woke up with the power and the ability and the opportunity to make a significant eternal difference in the lives of the people that you love and the lives of those you come in contact in a hurt and broken world. We have something to celebrate in the church. And that's why it's so important that we celebrate. See, the world celebrates what is temporal, but the church celebrates what's eternal. And we can never lose our ability to celebrate where God has called us to lead the celebration. We can't lose it. And so we're going to do something a little different in church this morning. You're like, Josh, you're in a pink shirt. How much different can it be? You got all comfy, I know. You just started filling out all your little blankies, I know. But we're going to get uncomfortable for a second. I want to invite everyone to stand up. Stand up right now. And we're going to celebrate in church. Now, I want you to think about something that makes you happy. I want you to think about something that is going to cause you to be able to celebrate and cause you to kind of wiggle just a bit. Because this series is called Just Dance. You didn't think you were going to come to church today and not actually have to dance, right? Right? Now, this is why you sit in the back, because in just a second, we're gonna put the video that the staff made a couple of weeks ago, and for 40 seconds, the staff is gonna lead you to Pharrell's Happy, and we're gonna sing and dance to that. But if you're over in this, odd, in this part of the crowd, I just gotta tell you, you gotta, you gotta work extra hard, because we have a fan cam right down here, okay? So so be watching, up here's the video, nobody watch me. You've seen me dance already. Watch the video, or watch the fans, right or the, the people right down here dancing. But I don't want to see anybody just standing there. There are no cool people at this church, right? You're not too cool to dance. You know that verse? There is none cool, no, not one. That's what okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. You guys ready? Can you guys hit it? Let's let's get happy. Here we go. I'm happy if in the balcony you right there. That's what you want to do. Come on, come on. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. You can have a seat. Now, I hope that made you uncomfortable because it made me just a little uncomfortable. But we did that this morning because church is a celebration. Church is a celebration. In fact, we go back to the early days of the church in Acts chapter 2, and we see church as a celebration. Look at verse 46 and 47 with me. Now, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and I'm out of breath from all that dancing. (laughs) Actually, I'm out of breath from all that animal or double-double animal style. But they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church is a celebration. It was a celebration in the early church days. But you know, celebration with God predates the church. We can go back in the Old Testament and see that God values celebration so much that he instituted nine major celebrations for his Old Testament followers. Nine major celebrations. Seven of those nine celebrations were feasts. And three of those seven feasts required a road trip, okay? God was serious about a celebration. Think about seven Thanksgivings a year. That was God's idea of how to celebrate, okay? But the Old Testament celebrations were just a shadow of the things to come. Because we, as New Testament believers, we celebrate the fulfillment of God's promises through Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Paul writes, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. We don't have to celebrate those Old Testament celebrations because we, every day, have Christ living inside of us. The message paraphrase puts it this way in Philippians 3.3, real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. So yes, church is a celebration. But what are we celebrating? What are we celebrating? Well, as a church, we celebrate what God celebrates. We celebrate what God celebrates, and that's what this whole series is about. And more than anything else, consistently in Scripture, you know what we see? We see that God celebrates a changed life. God celebrates a changed life. And and I've got Luke 15 on your sermon notes, and we're going to look at it in just a second. But in Luke 15, Jesus is telling a series of stories. And he's telling these stories to help us be able to relate to to his father, to God his father, to try to help us to understand the character of his father. And he tells three different stories, all that have something to do with lost and found. And he tells a story of a certain shepherd that had a hundred sheep and 99 of the sheep were safe, but there was one that got lost, and the shepherd leaves the 99 behind, goes and searches for the one, and when he finds that one sheep, he picks it up, and he carries it home, and when he gets home, look at verse 6, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep, and I tell you that in the same way, Jesus says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent, and here's what God says, here's what Jesus said about God the Father. Jesus said, hey, God the Father takes more delight in one person who is going their own way, living their own, by their own selfish desires, fulfilling their own selfish appetites. And when that one person understands that they are lost, and, and he uses a, a Bible word here, repents, which just, just means simply to turn around. When that person decides, I'm not going to live for myself anymore, but I'm going to turn around and I'm going to follow God and I'm going to learn what it is to love God and to love others, when they make that change, when they go from lost in selfishness to found in Jesus Christ, that's what God celebrates. More than 99 people who got it all together. That's what God celebrates. And I got a letter, I got a letter about a week and a half ago from a guy. And, uh, and in, th- in this week, uh, it's just such an incredibly powerful story I I reached out to John. I said, hey John, he's new to Cornerstone. I said, hey man, would you mind if I shared your story? He said, absolutely, I, I wouldn't mind, absolutely, go ahead. Would you listen to it with me? Josh, you don't know me, but you've touched my life in an amazing way. You see, I'm a very positive thinking and externally happy person, but inside I've never taken care of me. Didn't even know what I needed, actually. Two weeks ago, my divorce became official from the love of my life, and it represented my failure as a husband and father. Yes, we have three beautiful daughters, and although I tried to make the transition smooth, it wasn't. We were together for 15 years and married nearly 13 of those. An abusive father and no mother contributed to an incomplete skill set as a husband and a father. And although I heard my wife verbally begging me to change my ways, I never did. Thought all the way to the end that she would learn that she was the one who was wrong. Yes, she made mistakes, of course, and we both gave up at the end, but the glaring reality was that God had been completely forgotten through the process, and we had attempted to fix and ultimately end our marriage on our own. Until six months ago, I was not a big fan of church in general. Even the megachurch movement didn't do much for me, as I'm typically the, okay, so what angle are they coming from, pessimistic type of guy? Well, six months ago was the lowest point in my life, Josh. I didn't have much to live for and, and lost the most important things in my life. And so one Sunday morning, I attended a service at your church from an invitation from an acquaintance. It was about being rich. And you ironically happened to be pigging the sermon. I immediately thought, oh, here we go again. Some young, sharp pastor is up here to get us to give more money. I had walked in that morning completely defeated as a human and so wanted to hear you say some profound statement that would bring me back. But you didn't. <laughs> I did, however, relate to your personality on stage and your ability to keep the room connected. You see, I'm that guy myself. At that, I left feeling completely empty, but also feeling like I could relate. And that was the key to the beginning of me coming back every Sunday. Fast forward to a sermon on forgiveness, in which it ended with the breaking of a stick. You see, my three girls attend church with me when I have them, and they were witness to their father completely breaking down that morning. My girls see me as a very powerful and strong leader and for the first time got a glimpse into the weakness that truly defines me as a human being. You see, Josh, that sermon changed my life. I would forever see myself, my world, and the people in it differently. I was able to forgive, but that was just the beginning into my new journey in life. It simply opened my eyes to my own mistakes and shortcomings. So now, Josh, I've begun a new journey, a journey to meet my ex-wife all over again as a humble believer in Jesus, to be a positive influence in my daughter's lives by leading by example, by treating the woman I could never stop loving with the respect and tenderness that the Lord gives me, even as the failure I am as a man. And all this started with an invitation to Cornerstone. My journey has only just begun, and I have no clue what the end result will be, but just know that I am trusting in God and working hard every day to be a better man than I was the day before. I will be there every Sunday in the upper level enjoying Cornerstone Church. Please pray for my family, and please please pray for a guy who is terrified that I don't have the ability to be the man that I need to be to get my family back. On my own, I have no chance. But with God, I believe anything. It's possible. Now that is worth celebrating. And church, will you do this with me? Will you commit to John and his family that you will join me in praying for him and his family on his new journey? Will you commit to that? That's what this series is all about. Celebrating what God celebrates, celebrating real life change. And in this series, each week in the four weeks, we're going to look at one thing that God celebrates and then we're going to celebrate it together. One thing that God uses to change people's lives and then we're going to celebrate it together. And this week, this morning, we're going to be talking about baptism and here's why. It's because God celebrates baptism. God celebrates baptism because baptism is public evidence of a changed life. Baptism is a public declaration that you are all in with Jesus. And that's why I've got this pink t-shirt on that says all in on it. Now, the reason why it's pink is because lime green really washes me out. (laughs) Just being totally honest, yes, I am that vain. That's why I'm wearing pink. God celebrates baptism. Will you look at our passage, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Now look, at this moment, heaven could no longer contain the celebration At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. God celebrates baptism because baptism is a public declaration that you are all in with God. And there are three things I want to make sure that each and every one of us understand about baptism this morning. The first thing we need to understand is that baptism is important. We need to understand why baptism is important. Now, I want you to look at verse 13 with me again. Then Jesus came to Galilee, to the Jordan, to be baptized. Now, you're going to miss the significance of this verse unless you understand a little bit about the geography of the New Testament, right? Right? The distance between Galilee to Jordan, any idea how far that was? It was 60 miles. Jesus walked 60 miles to be baptized. Now, we can tell a lot about how important something is to somebody by what they're willing to go through to accomplish it. Baptism was so important to Jesus that he was willing to walk 60 miles to be baptized. Why? Because baptism is a public declaration that you were all in with God. Now, and just, in, and just in case you're new to baptism, let me just explain to you what baptism is. Yes, it's the first step of obedience in your walk with Christ. It's the first thing that he asks us to do after we have made a profession, a, a decision to follow him. And baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. There's a tank full of water out there. Let me just assure you, there's nothing special about that water. It came from the same place that the water you took a shower in this morning came from. What is significant about baptism is that when you get in that tank, you are telling everyone that you have made a decision to go all in with God. You have made a personal decision to follow Jesus. And so when you stand there in the water, you're standing there picturing who you were before you met Jesus. And when the pastor puts you under the water, it's a picture of your old way of life, your old selfish person being buried with Christ in baptism. And then when you come up out of the water, it represents the new life that you have in Christ, the new opportunity that you have to live out the abundant life that Christ died so that you and I could experience. Baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Baptism is us declaring publicly that we are all in with God. And that's why it's important. You know, as followers of Christ, we live, in a, we live in a society that values commitment. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be committed to the things that Jesus was committed to. Jesus was committed to baptism, so much so that he was willing to walk 60 miles to be baptized. So much so that he didn't even let John the Baptist talk him out of it. And that's the second thing we need to understand. We need to understand this morning the objections to baptism. And we need to understand and overcome our objections to baptism. Look at verse 14, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Do you come to me? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. If someone tried to talk Jesus out of being baptized, someone's gonna try to talk you out of being baptized. And you know who I think that someone's gonna be? You. You. <laughs> But John the Baptist tried to talk Jesus out of it, and, and, and what a, there are really three very common objections that people typically have to being baptized, and I just want to address those. Just honest, honestly, I want to be sensitive to those objections, but I just want to talk about them for a second, because we need to understand them so that we can overcome them. The first is this. Well, Josh, I've already been baptized. I've already been baptized. Let me just ask you this. If you're here this morning and you've already been baptized, have you been baptized since you made a personal decision to follow Jesus? Have you been baptized since you made a personal decision to follow Jesus? See, here at Cornerstone, we teach that baptism is something that follows a personal decision to follow Jesus. It's, it's, um, it's, we believe it's your decision, not someone else's to make for you. And that's why here at Cornerstone, we teach baby dedication and baptism that follows after a personal decision to follow Jesus. We see in Scripture that that is the the baptism that Christ modeled, and and the way that we interpret Scripture is that is how uh, Scripture consistently presents baptism. And I want to pause for a second because you may have come from a tradition or you may have come, uh, you may be here, and you might interpret uh, Scripture differently. And I just want to be sensitive to that. I want to let you know, here at Cornerstone, we major on the major issues of Christianity, and we don't divide fellowship over different interpretations when it comes to methodology of baptism. But I do want to just give you a personal testimony. I grew up in a tradition and as a young child, I was baptized before I had made a personal decision to follow Jesus. My parents, they made a decision to follow Jesus when they were in college. My older sister, she had made a decision to follow Jesus and so my family was getting baptized and as a little kid, I hopped in the tank too. And and let me just tell you, there was nothing wrong with that. And, and can I also say, it was an extremely significant emotional and spiritual experience for my parents and for my sister. But later on in my life during adolescence, I understood my personal need for a Savior. I made the decision personally to become a follower of Jesus. And after I made that decision, I was baptized. Because we believe, the Scripture teaches, that baptism is something you do after you've made a personal decision to follow Jesus. So I want to ask you, if you've, already, if you've been baptized, but it was before you made a, a personal decision to follow Jesus, would you consider being baptized again so that you can publicly say to everyone, I'm all in with God. I've made that decision personally. The second objection that we get sometimes is, well, Josh, I'm scared of water. Listen, that's a legitimate objection. Can I just tell you in the 23 years of Cornerstone's history, we have never lost anyone in the baptistry. (laughs) Listen, we have a 100% safety record. There has never been a shark attack in the baptistry. I mean, it's, I get being scared of water. I get it. But can I just tell you, Pastor Ron today is doing the baptisms. He is our most professional dunker. You will be in good hands. The last objection I want to kind of just address is this one. Well, Josh, I'm just a private person. I'm just a private person. And can I just tell you, I understand that. But that is why it is even more important for you. If you're a private person, baptism is even more important for you. And here's why. Because God in in instituting baptism he laid out a, a step of obedience away for all of us whether we're an introvert or whether we're someone who doesn't mind wearing a lady's hat and dancing on the platform we all all it takes to publicly declare that you're all in with God is getting wet that's really all it declare all it takes we're not going to ask you to say anything there's no public speech the picture happens when you go under and come back if you're an introvert it's it's even more important for you because you understand that as followers of Jesus, we don't have the privilege of keeping our faith private. No, no, no. We serve a Savior who hung naked and beaten on a cross in public to pay the penalty of our sins. And he asks us, yes, we make a personal private decision, but then baptism is when we go public. And so if you're a private person, can I just encourage you? It's even more important for you. We need to understand why baptism is important. We need to understand to overcome our objections. And then finally, we need to understand that we need to be baptized ASAP. What did Jesus say? Jesus replied, let it be so now. For it is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now look, before this, Jesus wasn't doing any public ministry. This was the first thing that Jesus did before he, as he began his ministry. He began with baptism because he was declaring before the world that he was all in with God the Father. And he says to John the Baptist, no, no, listen, John, you don't understand. I am going to do this right now because it benefits me to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus understood that this was a matter of obedience. Can I just say, obedience isn't something that we need to pray about. How many of you are parents in the room? You got, you got kids? I've got five kids, and my oldest is going into middle school. You know what happened to her? Somewhere along the, the, the last couple of months, she lost her ability to keep her room neat. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it's like she just lost the ability. So if I go to Riley and say, hey, hon, it's time to clean your room. I want you to go upstairs and clean your room. Is the appropriate response, well, dad, I would like to pray about that. I feel like I need to seek God's face and see how he feels about the condition of my room. Is that their appropriate response? No, it's an issue of obedience, see? And can I also say, and just remind everyone that obedience now leads to opportunity later obedience now leads to opportunity later when we make the decision to obey God's revealed desires for our life it leads to opportunity how does that work well did you guys notice in John's letter how he taught how we got to see God at work God changed his thinking right You saw the way he he was able to forgive. He was able to think differently about his past. He was able to think differently about his ex-wife, about his role as a husband. God changed his thinking through his spirit and by his word. You know what happens when you let God change your thinking? Right thinking leads to right living, right actions. And right actions, they lead to right habits. Right habits leads to the right character. The right character leads to an abundant life, the right life. That's spiritual formation. And, op- and obedience now equals opportunity later. Baptism is a matter of obedience. And that's why, that's why baptism is a big deal here at Cornerstone, because it's a big deal at God here, or to God. Here at Cornerstone, we don't just tolerate baptism. No, we celebrate it. We celebrate it. And so I want to ask you, do you need to be baptized? If so, we're ready now would you bow your heads and close your eyes i want to talk to you for just a second and and listen you know I, when god talks to me i don't know how i don't know how he he talks to you for me i i don't hear anything audibly he talks to me through in my spirit by through his word and sometimes he uses you know the, the foolishness of of preaching to do it but listen when God's talking to me, I feel it in my heart. I sense it. There's an inter- internal struggle. And you know what I hope is happening for you and has been happening? I hope there's been this alarm going off inside of you. I hope you have just been feeling this urgency. I don't know if you have an alarm system at home, if you have a home security system, but, but I do. And I don't know if, you've, if you have one, if you've ever had a false alarm in the middle of the night. A couple of months ago uh, the Clarks had a false alarm and I remember it went off. Heidi, you remember this? It went off and we sat straight up in bed and and I looked over at Heidi and I said, "Hey, well, honey, you really probably should go check that out." No, that's not what I said. No, I got up and I had this urgency about me and I was still in a fog and and Heidi laughed at me after it was all over cuz I ran to the top of the steps and I said, "You better get out of here." There was urgency when that alarm went off. Uh, there was something I needed to deal with immediately. And if there's an alarm going off, if you're here this morning and you have not been baptized after you have made a personal decision to follow Jesus, I wanna encourage you this morning to get baptized. And we baptized just, man, a bunch of people this weekend. So many people have stood up and said, I am all in with God, and I want this church family to know it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here this morning and right now, you need to be baptized. You know that, that you need to be baptized and you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you just put your hand up? Just put it up high. Uh, you're here and say, Josh, I need to be baptized. Yeah, I see it. Awesome. All over the room. Down here in the balcony. I'm looking up in the balcony. I see, I, yes, I see you guys up there over here on my right. Keep them up. I'm gonna pray for you right now. You can put your hands down, Lord. Thank you for all these folks. Lord, thank you for, for sending your son Jesus to be an example for us. Thank you for the example that he set. Even when John the Baptist tried to talk him out of it, Lord, he said, no, 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 no. This is a matter of obedience. I am gonna publicly declare that I am all in with you. Lord, thank you for making it so simple to please you, Lord. I pray that each and one of the, every one of these folks that raised their hand would know that you, you are excited, you are celebrating their commitment to you, and Lord, if they take action this morning, that you will be rejoicing over them just like you rejoiced over, their, over your son because they are your children give them courage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody look up at me. In just a second, I'm going to count to three. And those of you that raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you know... That today is the day for you to declare that you are all in with God. When I count to three, I want you to stand up and I want you to go to the back. Let's just go out. We've got, you say, well, I don't have any clothes. No, we got t-shirts. We got shorts. We got all kinds of stuff. And we, we have bags for your wet clothes. Listen. We've thought of well, none of my family's here to see it, we've got a videographer, we have a photographer, we'll let you you take a selfie and you can post it on social media and and your friends and your family, hundreds of them will see it in a matter of moments. Well, my kids are here, take them with you, set an example for them that you and declare publicly in front of them that, that you are all in with God. Well, they're still in their class, well then let them be and go get baptized, we'll watch them, we've thought of it, we're here for you. And those of you who've already been baptized, or maybe you're not ready, listen, here's what I want you to do. When I count to three and you see that first person stand up, I want you to celebrate like you've never celebrated in church. Will you cheer for them? Will you rejoice over that public declaration that they are all in? You guys all ready? Does everybody know what they're going to do? Don't hesitate. Here we go. One, two, three. Get up and get out of here. Let's go. Uh, good job, guys. Good job, guys. Up in the balcony, that's awesome, guys.